We're going to go on through a sermon series here entitled Grateful. Oftentimes we think of gratefulness, thankfulness, of course, Thanksgiving. We've got the, that one day a year, that one week a year that we might be thinking about what we're thankful for. Well, let's be honest. For some of you, the holidays are maybe dark, actually. And you're, they're not very thankful. As we're walking through this sermon series, we're walking through God's Word to see that, that this, this, this thing called gratitude, this thanksgiving or thankfulness, isn't merely something that's done. When we feel like it on occasion, it's not merely a result. Thanksgiving is, is the work of people who follow Jesus. It is something that uniquely characterizes us, and it's something that requires for us to be disciplined in our practice of. Now, that doesn't sound really fun and, and fantastic uh, when we talk about discipline, but there's something that's powerful that Thanksgiving does in us, to us, through us, when we enter in. We're going to be talking about that a little bit today. Any of you uh, see a chiropractor or been to a chiropractor? Many of you have been to a chiropractor. Um, the reason why you see a chiropractor is because things are not going so well, right? And when you leave the chiropractor, you're really hoping things are feeling much, much better, right? I'm not one who frequents a chiropractor, but before my uh, marathon, I had uh, um, got my upper back out of alignment in pain. Usually I can just let things work themselves out. Just give me a little bit of time. Things usually work themselves out. I don't want to go to the chiropractor. I don't like to. But I needed to because things weren't going away and, and the pain was nagging. And I uh, went to Jake at Southwest. This isn't a promo, but there you go. <laughs> and Jake's a great guy. Um, and he targeted the issue. Sometimes I've gone to chiropractors in the past and they just want to crack everything in your body, right? Have you been to any of those? Like, and it feels good, right? It feels good when things are kind of put in their place or the, those joints are popped. But uh, um, my neck was in a bad way. And, and Jake, with all his skills, able to isolate it, crack my neck and my back to get me into place and uh, to get me the relief I needed. Some of you, if you've kind of put yourself in that situation where you're thinking like, I've got a chiropractic appointment this week and I can't wait to get there. Or you've just come out of one and, 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 there's, and it's relieving, right? It relieves us from pain and it also improves maybe mobility and functionality in, our, in that area of your body. Many of us need an adjustment. But it's an attitude adjustment. Some of you parents have been telling your kids that. You need an attitude adjustment this morning. Or you told your spouse that. Thanksgiving isn't the result of an adjustment by God. Thanksgiving, as we're going to see in today's passage, Thanksgiving is what does the adjustment. Are you, are you tracking with me? Thanksgiving isn't merely because I feel thankful, I'm going to give thanks. No, Thanksgiving, when we do it, it produces the result of relief, the, the, the alignment and functionality in our lives that we are intended to have. Thanksgiving aligns us with our created purpose in relationship with the created creator God. Thanksgiving stirs us up in devotion and dependence on God, aligning us with our 
created design. I can't emphasize enough. As I just want to say it one more time. It's Thanksgiving is not the result. Too many times, friends, we're caught up. And when I, when I feel like it, I'll be thankful. We're missing it. Thankfulness is the work that provides the relief. It relieves us from the pain and the sorrows. It relieves us and gives us functionality and freedom to live and act, no matter what our circumstances are. And I hope that comes clear in today's message. We're going to move pretty quickly through this passage. I'm going to be in Psalm 50, if you want to turn there in your Bibles or Bible apps. Let me pray while you're doing so. Holy Spirit, I ask for your work this morning to open our hearts, God, to, to, to the things that get us out of alignment in our life, Lord God. Lord, our tendency to trivialize you, to just minimize your glory, your significance in our lives, oh God. Lord, and help us to appreciate this morning the gift of gratitude. Let's not flirt around or play around with our souls and with our relationship with you, but God, take seriously this gift you've given and may we be stirred to act and cultivate it in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. Psalm 50, I'm going to read through portions here. I'm going to speak on that portion and we're going to walk through the psalm that way, kind of like we did last week for those of you who were with us. Starting in verse 1 through 6. The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes, he does not keep silent. Before him is a devouring fire, around him a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me, my faithful ones, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Right off the bat, just consider, what's your experience? What are you feeling as you, as you hear these words and read through these words? Consider the image that this is creating of who God is. The mighty one speaks and summons in the earth. Perfection and beauty, God shining forth. There's this glorious image kind of coming out of the text here, right? It's, it's, a te- it's these words that, that, that kind of elevate our imagination. But then you, it, these words come forth here. He does not keep silent. Before him is a devouring fire, a mighty tempest. I don't know if you know, you, you caught this, but the tone is, is changing. It's getting heavy. The very image that's, that, that God is conjuring our minds of, of who He is and, and what He's about right now is a pretty heavy, heavy presence. God Himself is judge. Gather to me the faithful ones. God Himself is judge. God is preparing us preparing the people at that time that he has something important to say. Oftentimes we love the image of Jesus as this friendly hippie dude that brings us love and grace and 
is all about the love. God is a God of grace, but He is glorious and He takes sin seriously. His silence in our lives isn't permission and condoning how we live. He's saying to the Israelites, I've got something to say. I've got a a correction here, and it's for your good. I'm a gracious God, but friends, don't mistake. I'm glorious, and there's things that are dangerous to your soul, and we're going to get after it. I'm coming to judge. God's judgment is never, ever intended to harm us. We need to get that clear. He is love. His judgment's always for our good. So this glorious, this this mighty, this powerful, this intimidating presence is to grant us a sense of seriousness that is not already there, that needs to be stirred up in our hearts and our minds. And so he proceeds forward here. He's going to address two types of people as we move forward. In the first half here, Starting at verse 7 through 15. Follow along here. Hear my people, and I will speak of Israel. I will testify against you. I am God. Your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and I... All that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and all its fullness are mine. I do not eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Perform your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. In this section, God is addressing those who've reduced the relationship with the one true God into mere ritual and religion. In verse 14, he points out the solution, the antidote to a ritualization, an empty, dead religion, is thankfulness. Thankfulness to God keeps us from reducing our relationship with Him to empty Religion. The people at that time, they were faithful in doing the right thing in terms of bringing the sacrifice. But God's clear to explain here, it was never about the bulls and the blood and the... Like, none of that. I don't need that. The reason why you were to bring those offerings to me was because it required you to bring your heart to me. It was costly to you to sacrifice that bull that you had raised. That was costly. And it showed your devotion to me. It showed that that, that you had received my love and you were responding to it. You, You had seen that I had provided for you that bull, that goat. That was my gift to you. The sacrifice was just a means to the end. And the end is your heart. This is not like us in our relationships with our with our spouses or with a good friend and 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 and, and, and us treating the, the things we do for that friendship and that friendship or, or, or in that marriage as, as duty, if you will, for example. 
Where maybe we show up to help a person clean their house, or, or, or we do the dishes for the spouse, or, or we cook a meal, or, or, or we give that massage, or whatever it may be, and, and we're like, I, my job's done. We get done, and we just, I, I did it. Okay, we're moving on. If you had that kind of conversation with your friend of, of like, you know, I mowed your lawn for you, it's done. Uh, here you go. And we'll see you later. Hope you have a good day. I did my job. We're just moving on. I did the dishes. And I cleaned the house. I made a meal. I did work. I put you know, food on the table. There you go. There it is. How many friendships and relationships are built on just duty? Right? How long is a relationship going to last? And that, that intimacy and that closeness and connecting is going to last? It's just duty. I did my job. There you go, sweetheart. I ain't going to fly, right? I mean, some of you are like taking shelter already because, you know, that ain't going to fly. In a friendship, in a relationship, it's, 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 there's, there's a sense of devotion. We don't want to be in an intimate relationship with somebody when there's a lack of devotion. It's just, I'm just here because I have to be, you know, I'm just doing my job. You're not going to stay in that friendship. You're going to really question that, that, the health of your marriage, Right? Or, or even worse, when it's manipulative. When we're doing the thing, the good things, the right things, but we're doing it not because we care, but when we want something. I'm sure you've never done anything like that. We're trying to get some approval or validation. We're trying to get something from your, from your honey or your, your hunk, hunk of burning love. And it's not really out of love. It's out of what you want from them. We do that with God. The ritual and the sacrifice. Well, if I do the right thing, God's, you know, it's, it's more of a superstition. God's going God's to protect me. He's going to provide the crops, the, 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 the finances, uh, uh, the relationship. He's going to prosper me. I just got to do the right things in order to get good things from him. When we fall into the danger of ritual, we're just going through the motions. It lacks what the very thing that God wants. And the God, what God wants, what Jesus died for, isn't for us to do things. It's for us to have a heart that's beating, that's alive in love for God and devoted to Him. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Are you smelling what I'm stepping in? I hope it smells good. Ritual. We are prone to fall into this. And it will strangle us. It's nice and convenient. It's not costly. Ultimately, it's within our control. Love is so much deeper. What Thanksgiving does. Thank you, Lord. For this life you've given me. Thank you, Lord, for this wife. Have you done that? Have you said thank you for this wife or husband or friend? Thank you, Lord. For how you provided for me. Everything I have I know is a gift. Thank you, Lord. This is not mere thankfulness. This is thankfulness to the Lord. There's a, there's a, 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 a critical point here. It's not merely I'm thankful for. It's thank you, Lord. Because that thankfulness to the Lord brings us in right order. It aligns us. It's necessary because we're in relationship. There's a source that provided the things in our life, including our salvation, let alone the things that we have. Thank you. I have a car that runs today.
Thank you that I can see and walk. Thank you for family. Thank you for a job. Thank you, Lord. Thankfulness aligns our heart and it works in our heart. That sense of devotion and dependence. It keeps things alive and fresh. When we reduce things to mere just doing things, to go through the motions, what we're doing is killing our very souls. We don't feel it. We don't think it's that big of a deal. It's a slow fade. Thankfulness is the antidote. Sacrifices of thanksgiving to the Father. Antidote to ritual and empty religion. He goes on in verse 16. But to the wicked, God says, What right have you to recite my statutes or to take a covenant on your lips? For you hate discipline and you cast my words behind you. If you see a thief, you're pleased with him. And you keep company with adulterers. You give your mouth free reign for evil and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you've done and and I have been silent. You thought that I was like yourself. But now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Mark this then. You who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. The one who, to the one who honors, orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. In that first section, we were talking about those who reduce relationship with God to ritual and religion. And, and in this, he's addressing those who, who trivialize the relationship with Jesus, relationship with God. As something that doesn't change our lives and leads to this hypocrisy. Thankfulness to God nurtures devotion and dependence on God that keeps us from hypocrisy. You see, what happening in the, in the lives of these individuals is, is they had gotten sucked into living in this place of self-reliance, self-sufficiency, self-centeredness. You see, when, when we easily are prone to this, we kind of like this because that's part of our sin nature. Like, like I got myself to where I'm at. We like that feeling of like, I know the predictability of my income and my place of staying and my relationships. And we like to fall into that comfort zone. We love that sense of, uh, of that comfort zone. It feels like it's in our control. We like that sense of control. It gives us that sense of self-reliance. And we think that where we got, what we have, where we got, where we're at now, what's going on, ultimately then is the result of our own hands. I can keep this going. And without consciously doing so, we slowly remove any need or necessity or dependence on God. I got here. I have what I have. I am who I am by the grace of God. And as a result, then things become more and more self-focused. It's about me. It's about me getting what I want, when I want. That is the very thing that is the problem in all of this world. The source of evil in this world is me. I want 
what I want when I want it. Self-reliance, self-sufficiency, self-centeredness leads us to treating Jesus, leads us to treating God as merely something like an exhibit. I like the zoo. Anybody else like the zoo? Any kids? You've been to the zoo? What are some of your favorite animals at the zoo? Shout out your favorite animals at the zoo. Oh, the monkeys. Those are fantastic, aren't they? Love to see them play. What else? Hyenas. It's fantastic when they eat things, right? No? That was too far. Other animals. Sloth and bear and zebras and tigers. Oh, the turtle. That's the elephants. Woo, those are big ones. Yes. Yes. You know, a zoo is awesome. And when we go there, we see these amazing things that are powerful and creative and cool. And, and, and then we go home. Has your life ever been changed by a zoo? Anybody? Your life changed? No. A zoo's fantastic. It's amazing. It's so cool. And you get to go to it and it's cool. And then you leave and your life goes on and you do whatever you want. We treat Jesus and God as an exhibit. We show up. We do our thing. And then we go on. Nothing changes. We do whatever we want to do. We come, inspire me, entertain me. God is just one of many options. He's a good thing among many good things. Keep my options open. I'm in control. We show up, we leave, nothing changes. That leads to the hypocrisy. There's this disconnect between the words that come out of our mouths on a Sunday or in a small group. There's a disconnect between Sunday and Monday. For some of you, it's a disconnect between Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon. You know what I'm talking about, right? All you need is the Vikings to just trash it one more time. Or them Cowboys. Or the Green Bay Packers. Or Alabama. Dang it. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. What he's saying here. Those who are aligned in me and stay aligned in me, in their created design and purpose, their hearts will be full, their lives will be full, their lives will be changed, are those who practice gratitude to me. What thankfulness does is it recognizes what I have is not mine. Everything is a gift. I'm dependent on you. Thankfulness nurtures that sense of I need you. Our tendency is to go like, I don't need anybody. I don't want to need anybody. I want to be able to live in my own strength and power and do whatever I want to do. Thankfulness reminds and stirs up that dependency on the Father. But also devotion. You are not just a good thing. You're not something that's inspiring when I need it, when you're convenient and show up and go about my life, do whatever I want. No, he's not a good thing. He's the only good thing. Amen? 
thankfulness inspires our devotion that he's worthy of worship. He's worthy of my whole life. That thankfulness isn't words, but it's, it's my obedience. It's my daily choices, how I relate to my friends, how I see the person in need. It changes and orders everything under him. We minimize gratitude to a day to the result of when I feel like it. Gratitude is the work. Gratitude is what relieves us of the pain when it's dark. Gratitude is what aligns and grants us freedom and functioning. When we enter into that with the Father, it changes us. Friends, God did not mean for us to come and go and not be changed, but he meant for us to become more than what we already are through Jesus Christ. We often minimize the power of hypocrisy. Friends, it's a killer. Where is it at work in your life, in our lives, the disconnect? Friends, we minimize ritualizing a relationship with God. We think it's not that big of a deal. Just, you know, just go through the motions, just do my duty. It's what God wants. It's a killer. Devotion isn't a matter of feeling. Love isn't a matter of feeling. We often get those things confused. Well, I'm not feeling it. And so, no. Love is a choice. Your choice not to retaliate, even though you want to. That, that, that love is, 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 is a choice to do what's, what's best and what's right. It cultivates our hearts. That is that work of thanksgiving. Today we're practicing communion. In the early church, communion was known as the Thanksgiving celebration. That's what it was. It was a term that, that, that other traditions used called the Eucharist. That word is, is, is from the Greek uh, of to give thanks. When Jesus sat down with his disciples and he blessed the bread and he gave thanks. It's Eucharist eo. He gave thanks. When he blessed the cup, he gave thanks. This, this celebration is an expression of Thanksgiving worship through the early church. That's what it was known as. It was called the Thanksgiving we need these different practices. Of course, we can turn any kind of routine into a ritual, right? Anytime we come to this table, we can just do it, go through the motions. We can. But we need these reminders in our lives. God gave us the Lord's Supper as a reminder because we need those, right? Because we're going to get off track. He said, do this in remembrance of me. When it comes to gratitude, friends, we need... We need to structure it into our lives. We need practices. We need reminders in our lives. What what are ways in which you might put reminders in your life? I had one email in uh, in response to the sermon series sharing about how a person started a gratitude journal. They were in a really tough place, in a dark place. And God had convicted their hearts that they needed to express gratitude. They didn't want to. That wasn't the feeling. It just started every night writing in this gratitude journal. 
And it was powerful and it transformed them. And they, that was years ago and they're still doing it today because of the transformative power of it. What about, what about a family meal? How can you use that time to cultivate gratitude in your family, in your home? Family devotions in those places. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, a, a reminder. You know, wall art is great. Oftentimes we can just forget about it. Maybe that's it. What, what are the reminders you need in your life and the practices that you might put in place in order to remember? Because we're prone to wander. We're prone to forget. What is it that Jesus, or that God calls out these people? Mark this then, you who forget God. That, that, that's kind of at the heart of it. We've turned to ourselves and we've forgotten God. Who got us here? Who upholds us even in our successes? As we are, who gives us everything that we have? Who deserves all glory? We forget. So, friends, how will we remember? What will you do? What, what can we do to cultivate this into our lives? We're going to turn here to communion at this time. And as I mentioned in the early church, they called this the Thanksgiving celebration. In the early church, there's a document called the Didache, which in Greek means teaching. It's also known as the teaching of the apostles. And it's a really neat kind of document. You can look it up. It's, it's, it's easily accessible online. It's translated uh, from Greek into, into English. Uh, again, very easily accessible. And it's just a really neat insight into, this is kind of like a, 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 a book of church worship. And consider these are ways that you might do church and, and follow Jesus together in living out the Word of God and the Scriptures. And in chapter 9, he says this. He comes to communion, the authors. He says, but, the, but as touching the, the Eucharistic thanksgiving, give thanks thus, or, or in this way. First, as regards to the cup, we give you thanks, our Father, for the holy vine of your son, David, which you made known to us through your son, Jesus. Yours is the glory forever and ever. Then, as regard to the broken bread, we give you thanks, our Father, for the life and knowledge which you made known to us through your son, Jesus. Yours is the glory forever and ever. Do you hear the thanksgiving present in this practice? I'm going to go to the book of Luke here as we come to our time of, of uh, communion. And I want you to consider those words that we heard there, those instructions of giving thanks for the work of Jesus Christ. We come and his body was broken in our place to take the punishment of God for us. The justice of God is satisfied in Jesus. So that won't be satisfied in us for eternity. The blood is the forgiveness. He cleanses us. There's no guilt. There's no shame. He welcomes us and he calls you son or daughter. There's much to be thankful for. As we go through these elements... 
together. I want to encourage you to take this time to reflect on all the ways that you are thankful to the Lord. What has Jesus done for you? And what has God done for you? Both spiritually, but also even practically in your life.